Hi, welcome to All This and the Oscars too. My name is Sasha Stone. I'm the founding editor of AwardsDaily.com. I'm here with our two editors, Brian Adams and Clarence Moy. Hi, guys. Hello. Uh, today is our, we're trying to make a weekly podcast. We'll see if we can actually uh, adhere to that. We have a lot going on. Um, today we'd like to talk about the incredibly crunched season and how for the first time ever in all of Oscar history, we're going to have the um, Producers Guild, the Directors Guild announcing on the same day as, the, as the, uh, the Oscar nomination ballots are being turned in. So they're going to be right on top of each other, which means that they're not going to be influencing each other. So we're wondering how that's going to play out. Um, and we're also talking about the movies that are dropping right now. And we could probably spend some time on the Netflix factor, what we think about that. Is it a good thing? Is it a worrying thing? How is that going to affect the Oscar race? And, um, and uh, we have lots to talk about. So let's uh, dig into it. <laughs> sorry, that was... Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm just, just coming back from mopping up all the tears from last week's podcast. I'm still working. There's a corner of my room that's still kind of damp. So just to say, Aww. I might be right back. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> We're sad because we had to remove Jazz from our podcast today because she's not. She's at Variety now and we're very happy for that for her. But we do miss her and it's, it is it is sad. We're trying to pretend like it's not, but it is. Jazz, if you're listening to this, we miss you very much. So Terribly. Miss you so much, yes. I got to tell you, I was going to say this last week, but it didn't feel like the room was right. But, you know, <laughs> you remember the uh, the scene at the end of Terms of Endearment where they're saying goodbye to Deborah Winger, the kids are. And she's like, that wasn't so bad. And she's like getting ready to burst into tears. Oh, God. <laughs> That's what right. last week felt like. Just an hour, just no, over and over that playing that scene over and over again. It really, which, really by, did. Yeah. Which, by the way, when you, you remember when you guys did... Um, the podcast with Craig back in the day where you were covering the history of the Academy and you played clips from terms of endearment. Um, that's the first time I've ever cried in a podcast, in a car, listening to a podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> listening to, I mean, I've seen that movie a thousand times. I love that movie. It's one of my favorites, but listening to that scene without imagery and just listening to the voices and the words, it just, it was devastating. Yeah. It was just, anyway. It's no, I, I hear you. I That is one of the best movies. And in fact, I've got to dust off those old history podcasts now that I'm doing this other podcast because I really want them to be part of what people can find when they go through the award. I've, I've got to like organize it so that people can find those because we did go through all these Oscar years. So they great. were pretty good. We started, I think, in 1971 and 72, right mm -hmm. around there. And then we went into the current year. Uh, and dropped off around 2015 or so, I think. And then we went all the way back to 1927 and went for about a decade. I think we dropped off in the mid-1930s yep. because we, our schedules were just so hard to coordinate. So we were right on the verge of entering into a really interesting uh, era of American film history. Yeah. The end of the 1930s and the 40s is going to be great to talk about. Mm -hmm. but in, so in the 50s, too. So we have all of that to look forward to if we go ahead and fill in the rest of the uh, and, yeah. of our I hope, chapters. Seriously, I hope that yeah. we do. And Clarence, you're invited to be the third if you'd like in that. Um, yes, We're going to do like the 30s up to the 70s, I guess, right? Right, yeah. yeah. So we got to do that. I mean, it's something that we can do in the off season. The reason we stopped is because it became Oscar season. And so we didn't have, I don't think, time to... We were always saying we were going to go back and do it. But those were so fun. I mean, they were a long they time. They were fun. Especially, I mean, the, the ones that were the recent years were really fun. Because really, when we started uh, when we started covering the 70s, there's the, the new golden era, golden age of American cinema. 
you know, when the, when uh, it, when everything changed, and then everything changed again in the 80s. And but I think when we went back to 1927, it was even hard for the three of us, you and me and Craig. We couldn't even find some of the movies to watch, you know, because yeah. some of those are not easy to lay mm-hmm. your hands on. And it was there was a, just a whole lot of homework involved in order to find movies that from the late 1920s and early 30s. And it just was burdensome, but but it's going to be different and to cover the 40s and 50s because the movies are easier to find, and we've seen them all anyway. Yeah, and and, uh, and, and the listeners have seen them all. That, but right. I think it may be if you're talking about, I don't know, I don't even want to name names because I don't want to run any of the early best picture winners down. But I don't think a lot of people have seen many of the first. 10 years of best pictures. No. And also like one thing that I would love about going through that era is that they didn't get the preferential ballot until like 1943 or 1944. I think, uh, um, mm. Casablanca was the last year they had the preferential and then they went to going my way for the next time for five nominees, um, for best mm-hmm. picture. So I think it would be really interesting to look at those years. I would really like to dig into those and see like how many, f- Awards did they give out per film? I know Gone with the Wind obviously won um, a whole bunch of Oscars, but other than that, I mean, we go through the Gone with the Wind era, right? We never got to Gone with the Wind. Even, I know, really. yeah. Well, in 1939, it's supposed to be one of the best years of mm. American filmmaking in history. Yeah, no, seriously, exactly. that. And, and when, when there were like 10 or 11 films nominated for Best Picture that year, and they're all classic masterpieces mm-hmm. and you would think that I mean, you'd pick out any one of them not knowing that Gone with the Wind was the same year and you wonder oh well surely that won five or six Oscars but it couldn't because Gone with the Wind took everything yep it did yeah. and that was yeah. that was really by design I think what they wanted from the this is what I've concluded about the Academy after 20 years uh-huh. is that in the early days and you know not so much recently but in the early days and throughout most of their history what they were really was a they were just a kind of a PR system for the studios. And mm-hmm. so what they wanted was to get what they liked about the Oscars because they were held at, you know, later, um, was to reward movies that made a lot of money and had a big impact. And, and that would then in turn keep their studio system important and relevant and, and, um, you know, powerful. Right. So Mm -hmm. it mattered if Warner Brothers won that year and it mattered if Fox won in a a given year or Universal. You know, now Fox, Disney owns Fox, right? It's just totally eaten it up. So Disney Mm -hmm. has Fox and and the Marvel films and the Star Wars franchise. So things are really different now than they used to be. But in the old days, you know, the Oscars were very much to kind of reward the studio system. And I, I think that, that um, you can look th- throughout Oscar history and it backs that up. But for the few times where, um, like a foreign film from a European company, I think Hamlet what winning Best Picture was sort of a big deal because it wasn't one of the big studios. Um, mm. But for the most part, that's what they liked. And what they liked is sweeps. And that's why I think they pushed it down to five because I, like, I think they liked with five nominees, they could have the big sweeps. And with a preferential ballot, it's harder to have those kind of sweeps, to have those champions of film like Gone with the Wind was. Even though that was under a preferential ballot, that was a rare occurrence of a film winning a lot of Oscars with a preferential ballot. As you can see, going back to 2009, you can do the math, and you see that most of the time the best picture is like it wins three Oscars. It doesn't win ten Oscars, you know? Mm-hmm. So, right. Uh, I, I, that's a really, really excellent theory. I know that's a huge—and I'm sure that's a huge part of the reason. Another part of the reason, I think, is because— 
during World War II, I think for sure that um, uh, production in Hollywood dropped off, and that they didn't have this, they they didn't have the money or the they just weren't making as many great epic movies as they were in the 1930s in the heyday of Hollywood. After the war started, everything in America yeah. cut back. Mm -hmm. And so they started looking at, at the at the at the films that they had to choose from, and it's like we really can't pick, we can't find ten movies really that that are up to the standards of 1939. You know what? That's a really good point. The World War II. I mean, because none of yeah. us knows because we didn't live through it. But right. the way that the war kind of sucked up everything and changed everything. I mean, it's incredible to think about that. Like America at war in the movies, and you know, people mm. make fun of the Academy. Um, you know, kind of loving the World War II Nazi theme, but but it was a big deal for anyone who lived through it. You know, it must have been. Can you imagine? Like that, and that's why it still kind of reverberates in the in the Oscars, World War II. Of course, I had I had actually clicked on a couple of tabs on my browser just now. I hope that 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 there wasn't a bunch of noise from a uh, automatically. <laughs> I heard you, it, but you, that's okay. Did you hear it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I had my noise canceling headphones on, so I could just barely hear it. But I thought, what is that? Well, who's talking? And <laughs> it, was, it was Nicole Kidman talking, as it was. She's on, a, she's on an autoplay video that popped up. I, oh. I, once I found it, I shut her down. That's but right. yeah, there was that, Sasha. You're right that everything was so focused on the war effort. Even Hollywood was making so many movies that were that were rah rah patriotic type movies for the for the for the boost morale at home and for the troops. That they weren't really the type of movies that really really that. I don't know. I again, I'll say that they weren't up to the standards of the of the movies of the late 1930s. They were just a, had a different quality to them, mm -hmm. and and um, so I think that's another pop, possible reason we can talk about when we get into the history of why they decided to cut back to five. Absolutely, and then the 50s was television, right? So mm -hmm. television yep, right. was competing with the mm -hmm. movies, and so we have this interesting kind of cut cutting back then as well, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be fun to talk about. It's going to be fun because for me, like one thing, for instance, uh, one of our my favorite, one of all, I'm sure for most film lovers, most of our one, one of our favorite genres is film noir. But it's amazing to look back and see how really few film noir movies were recognized mm -hmm. by the Academy because they weren't even considered. They weren't again. Yeah. They weren't up to the standards either. They were B movies. Right. So who went to yeah. see film noir? It wasn't film critics and people like that because they didn't really get it until later, right? So who was going yeah. to see those movies? Who was going to the film noir? Like, what 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 purpose did they serve? Who who were they targeting? It was it was sort of pulpy stuff, wasn't it? I mean, it was yeah. it was like uh, almost like chapter movies. I mean, it was um, thrillers. It was it was the the average thriller. So of, it was it was uh, sort of dangerous, so right? It was dangerous because yeah. it was like seeing like a horror movie now or like a kind of a sexy thriller. Because the in the fifties anyway, the, there was this utopian fantasy of what American life was supposed to be like, and film mm -hmm. noir kind of upended that and said, "No, it, it's not like that. It's a terrible world <laughs> full of terrible mm -hmm. people, and these films are going to depict that." And so, and know, and the 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 noir films really showed the the consequences for people who get themselves entangled, whether of their own choice or, or accidentally get entangled in that dark side of the world, mm -hmm. the consequences of that. Because I think during the 1930s, there were a lot of gangster movies that people loved to go see, crime yeah, films. Sure. But 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 those movies 
were were frowned upon because they it was thought they were thought to glorify the crime. See, but mm-hmm. film noir did the opposite. It it warned you about um, going going down those dark alleys. Yeah. So they were they were B movies that were um, filmed and paired with uh, higher profile titles. They were mm-hmm. sort of the B, the B side of a of a bigger double feature. Exactly. Yeah, there are double bills. You would go to, on the marquee. There, you see two movies for the price of one. Right. And if you wanted to hang around and watch the B movie, that's what you got. Oh. And they were just they were done on such a shoestring budget too that they, it was economical to do them. So that's what B movie means. I never knew yeah, that. So. B movie yeah. means B side. Yep. Oh wow! It's like the second feature after the main feature. Right. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. So it's not important yeah. enough to be like the front runner you know the the main show but like if you wanted to stay around you could still watch it yeah for two you know a bonus a bonus movie oh, extra movie for i never for knew why it was price. called that b movie that's so interesting yeah, it's amazing isn't it it's so cool yeah and then see those movies were not exported to europe during the war but suddenly as soon as the war ended um a bunch of those movies like the French critics didn't even get to see Maltese Falcon came out in 1941. The French critics didn't see it until 1945. And so when they did see that, that's when they invented the term film noir because they were so excited by to see movies like that, that they had never, never even knew what ha- were happening in America because it was, there was a five year gap between the time that those movies were being made and the French critics got to look at them and decide that, Hey, this is something really special. Hmm. And, and and really, they they were the ones that gave them the stamp of approval. The the you know the uh, um, um, gave them the prestige that they didn't have in America. Right. Right. Like and they then, did with and Hitchcock. then Hitchcock tapped into it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the French, we needed the French to translate back our art to us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know, right? Because yeah. we were unable to see it. But you know, I feel like we're living kind of through another 1950s right now on the left. I feel like there's this. Um, desire to kind of create a utopian fantasy of what society should be like. We're not mm. 100% there. We only have a few movies that, that do that. But um, but as in the 1950s, even though it was a more conservative way of looking at American life, um, I feel like we, we also have that tendency on our side now to kind of police art and so that it depicts this kind of utopian view of what humanity should be like. Um, and I think that art wants to be free and I don't think it'll ever work if you do that. Um, because humans are corrupt (laughs) to their (laughs) core. (laughs) So you can't tell a story about, you know, life and not, not depict humanity as it really is and how you want it to be. I just don't think that works. But, um, but I think, and then I haven't really dug too deeply into this, but I've heard tell of the 1950s being like that, you know, where they were creating this kind of fake utopia of white America, very much white middle-class leave it to beaver kind of America and, and film noir. Like if you watch any of these wonderful movies, obviously show it a darker side um, to humanity that, that people wouldn't really want to admit was there, right? All women, all women are conniving sluts and and men are gangsters and, you know, Mm. suckers. And I mean, that's another thing that was related to the war because it was a disturbing thing really for, I mean, imagine being a soldier overseas and you're seeing like they send a movie to your ship uh, and you're in the Navy and, and you're seeing some of this film war and you're seeing what America has become when yeah. now that you've gone away. Right. And it's scary. And the thing is, women w- were finding new kind of empowerment 
when their husbands left home and the women had to take over running the household. And a lot of men that were left behind were feeling like that um, I probably that a lot of women were dangerous. You know, a lot of the, some of the men who were left behind didn't have a lot of choices. It was either get into crime or get involved with the femme fatale. Right. Yeah. And so that's also related to the war. And uh, okay. interesting. I think that's just, I mean, I, I would love, there's so many different points in history that if I could just be put back in them so that I could just take a look around for a minute, that, that is one of them, like World War II, just to see what things were like back then. Um, not so much to land in Germany, I'd be put in a concentration camp. But, <laughs> but, you know, here in America, just to see what it was like at wartime, what, you know, what mm -hmm. people were thinking about. And um, we've seen enough movies about it, but, you know, the movies tend to romanticize it. You know, like mm -hmm. I would like to see what it was really like. Um, the other time I'd like to go back to is, of course, the Neanderthals. And I'd like to see <laughs> what that whole scene was about. You know, did they live side by side? Did the Homo sapiens enslave the Neanderthals? Which I, it's my theory. Um, but actually, it's not a very good theory. So it's probably not true. But, um, but anyway, blah, blah, blah. So let's talk about the Producers Guild. Let me just make sure that this is the case. If I go on our, our awards calendar, I look and I see that December 7th is, oh no, January 7th, wait, yes, DGA, um, PGA are all announced both on January 7th, and that's the last day for Oscar voting. Now, everybody who covers the Oscars knows that the Academy voters tend to get in get their ballots in early they don't wait till the last day one of the things that harvey weinstein used to do his one of his trademark moves was kind of getting voters at the last minute and um and that's how he people think he got the reader in for best picture because he was able mm -hmm. to, to to communicate these kind of urgency to vote at the last minute but for the most part two-thirds of them vote before um ballots are are turned in so PGA voting closes January 6th, and so does DGA, right? Isn't that bizarre? And then the Oscar nominations close on January 7th, the same day the Producers Guild and Directors Guild um, announced. Now, I can tell you for a certainty that this has never happened. The only thing that changed was in 2012, the DGA started to announce their ballots I mean, their nominees um, after Oscar ballots were turned in. So I figured, okay, there's going to be some kind of a, um, a disconnect, a mismatch between the DGA five for best director and the Oscar five. And that was the year that it turned out that Ang Lee and um, Steven Spielberg were the only two that made both lists, right? Because Catherine mm -hmm. Bigelow and, and Ben Affleck were both left off of the Oscar list for best director. So, um, so but after that, it, it wasn't that much of a difference like maybe one one nominee would be different from PG from uh, DGA and and Oscar. So I figure the consensus has to build, but in such a short season, um, I don't know if there's time for that consensus to build. But um, we should talk about who we think was the the five top directors, and then what we think the PGA is going to do. Wait, and then, uh, I just want to double check real quick. You said that it's going to January 7th is because I'm looking at a calendar here too. January 7th is the date that Oscar nomination, the voting ends for Oscar nominations. Uh -huh. And it's the same day that DJ and PJ announce yeah. their nominations or their nominees. That's also BAFTA's on nominates and um, nominations are announced the same day, January 7th. Oh, God. So, wow. So, so BAFTA's be any help to the oscar um voters either no it's wow. all up to the globes yeah. <laughs> their telecast the globes. is january 5th 
Right. The Globes right in the heart is heart of the uh, Oscar voting period. Yeah, that's a sweet spot. And also the I mean if you count them, the Critics Choice also comes in I think earlier. Um, um and then we can talk about the Spirit Awards because they're also going to be they're going to be announcing this month and they're coming in very early. After this year it's going I think it's going to go back to the way it used to be. It gets a one-off. It's going to really put people's predictions um, to the test because of this this uh, shortened season. Well, it's going to prove that, you know, in SAG, in in DGA, PGA, and maybe in the Oscars, if you haven't been seen early, right. you're not going to get it. Right. You know, we we always have every year we've got, you know, a, a, a title or two within the past couple of years where they haven't made SAG Ensemble. And always the excuse is, well, they didn't get the screeners in time. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not that actually proves to be true, I think uh, I have to go back and look to see which ones were omitted. Sometimes it's actually a, a harbinger of, of uh, the film isn't actually liked that much. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the I, fact I that it's omitted that, from SAG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll I have think, to see. Yeah, I think, produce, I think publicists get that movie in front of SAG nominating committee. I don't think yeah. they fucked that up. You know what I mean? So I always feel yeah. like if it doesn't make that list, then something's up. However, we should mention that um, Green Book and Shape of Water both missed out on the SAG and still ended up winning Best Picture. And the reason is that um, that that uh, SAG isn't SAG anymore. SAG is SAG-AFTRA. Mm-hmm. So, um, right. But yeah. I don't actually don't know if AFTRA is included in the nominating committee. I think it might only be actors, so it might only be SAG. That's a good point and a good question it's something we should investigate and find out about mm-hmm. that would make a big difference yeah yeah but i mean um i think that it's not so much i don't think i don't like to think of it as so much in terms of oscar voters being influenced by by the other groups nominations but it it gets the it gets it calls the number of titles down to something that i can look at that i think that they it clarifies things. It clarifies mm-hmm. things more than it does maybe. It, it, it narrows down the field for sure. And I think it's just like when we do our Oscar squad thing, you know, I'm always last. I'm always like the last person to update my choices, Clarence. And so <laughs> I have to be, I have to be really careful not to look at what other people have done or what they're doing and what changes they're making. I try to just focus on my column and make my own choices. But after that, after I make my choices, I do look and see if I've done anything too weird, I want to make sure that somebody else has done something that I've done too. I like so that your I weird can, choices, so that, so that I re, so that I get reassured, you know, that okay, I'm not too far out limb, and and somebody else is doing the same thing I'm doing. And if they don't, I will admit that I have changed my choices sometimes to sort of line up better with yeah. what other people are thinking, because I don't want it to be be the crazy person. But and Ryan, so maybe what was some, your incredible calls last year that were so weird? What were they again? Like they were like people would never have picked that because it wasn't the it wasn't the status quo, but you picked it. It was like people who weren't nominated for such and such. Who was it that you picked that that kept winning? Like the DGA and the. Mm-hmm. It was. I, wish uh, I could it remember. Was, it, it was eighth it was... grade director. Eighth grade. Oh right, yeah, yeah. You yeah. picked him to win, even though he wasn't Oscar nominated. Mm-hmm. And then there was another thing you did that was like that, where it was like your your choices were outside the box, but they turned out to be right because you ended up predicting the the surprise. Uh-huh. You know, and so yeah, you, it was a you, it was a surprise even that the that the I mean the the, the writer for eighth grade even once um, Screen Actors Guild right Bo uh, Burnham. I mean, was, I mean, I mean, I mean, he won the, the WGA, not Screen WGA, Actors Guild. and you predicted both. So yeah, yeah, right. The DGA uh, yeah. and the WGA yeah. for Bo Burnham. Uh, 
I'm trying to think of the other one. Was it a supporting actress? I guess it was one of the mm. SAG things that there wasn't an yeah. Oscar nominee that won, right? Mm. So it was it was one yeah. of those really outside the box predictions. But if you don't take those chances, you could never win the big the big gets because if you're always going to stick to the status quo, you're just going to be wrong with everybody else, you know. Mm-hmm. So I did, I think that what's going to happen this year when the on Oscar nominations morning is this is going to be so many fun surprises. A lot of people are going to be shocked and a lot of people are going to be upset because things that we have been talking about are the favorites are not going to make it in and other people who are going to surprise us that I think is going to, I think it, I think all the surprises are going to be good surprises. I always, I like surprises and I like to see, I'd like to see the Oscars not do what everyone thinks they're going to do. Mm. So I think it's going to be a fun year. I'm not worried about it. I'm worried about us as, as far as failing in our predictions because it's going to be so much harder. It is hard because this is the first time since I've been covering the Oscars, actually, and that makes it the first time ever in all of Oscar history, that they won't have the DGA or the PGA to go as a guide. They, Like you say, Clarence, mm. they only have the Globes. <laughs> So uh, that's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. Um, I my I have a few question marks in my mind. Like Joker is still a question mark to me. I don't know how that's going to land. Um, Netflix has four movies coming into the race. I don't know how that's going to go. Um, my my instincts tell me that Irishman is in, and I also feel like Dolomite is really strong. But I know that a lot of people love Marriage Story and Two Popes, so I don't know how that's going to go. Um, those are my big questions right now. Um, there are a couple other movies that are sort of hovering on the fringes that I'm not sure about, like Bombshell. Um, where's that going to go? You know, like uh, some of them feel like sure bets and some of them don't. And we all of us use the PGA and the DGA as our guide to help us find what the Oscar nominees are going to be. Well, this time we don't have that. So we're going to be totally predicting blind all of these. We have absolutely no idea what the academy people are going to put down because usually we have the pga 10 by the time we know what those nominees are before we have to predict what the oscars are going to be and i i know from doing stats that for the most part the pga gets about eight right eight out of nine right not right but matches with the oscars eight out of nine so Mm -hmm. is that going to be the case still um i don't know but uh but it's going to be interesting. It's, it's certainly the weirdest year I've ever seen in terms of dates. And I feel like I say this a lot every year, which is nobody should shame anybody else for getting their predictions wrong in a year like this because something like this has never happened before. You know? uh-huh. All you well, have everybody is has your, to be right. Everybody has to be right, but like they're, they're judging the Academy based on old i think old academy intel yes it's true that they're still pretty much three quarters white you know older men um but they have made stride they have made strides in their in their membership to sort of dilute the pool and change things up but what that means i don't know is it going to be decided by parties and high profile people if so, does a movie like Queen and Slim get left behind because it's not having those kind of parties? Can the movie just on its own get in? You know, I don't know. I mean, buzz, Oscar buzz is like a snowball. It builds as it goes along. And if you take away these things that help help it build, which is the DGA nominations, PGA nominations, I don't know where that takes you. 
You know, I don't know where, where people end up with that. I suspect it'll be embarrassing when it finally comes down, the Oscar nominations. I think people will be not happy with them, but upset with them. It's my, my sort of guess. Knowing what Observ- I know observers will be, Oscar watchers will be upset. Yes, Oscar they, watchers. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. they'll be disappointed yeah. with how it turns out. Mm-hmm. I think. Like, I think I could be disappointed, for instance. But yeah, well, in, in in my personal predictions, I think everything, pretty much everything, I'm predicting in the, at least in the top seven of Best Picture is are things that are trending earlier in the season. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think people are scrambling to see titles like even Bombshell. Bombshell screened you know, for the past couple of weeks. But, you know, I was talking to the publicist, one of the publicists today, and and they can't get enough, they cannot get enough screening rooms for the movie. Not enough people are seeing it. Everything is full. You just can't get more bodies into a theater to see wow. the movie. And if they don't have screeners to send around, then, you know, who's going to put it on a ballot if they haven't wow, seen it? Wow, that's incredible. I know, because who has time even for screeners right. in this shortened season, right? Yeah, I mean, we. I think hopefully we're getting on the list so that uh, Jalal can cover um, Bombshell for the Colleen Atwood interview. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's touch and go as to whether or not he's even going to be able to get in. Wow, really? Yeah, they said they're they're booked for a month. What wow. do you mean booked? The screening oh. rooms. The like screening there's there's rooms no available screen. No, I mean, um, for the the showings of Bombshell are booked out for a month. There's no room in the um, in the the screen, there the no seats, no seats left. No seats for the yes. ones. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh no, yeah. that's that is not acceptable. I have to write them and tell them that's not acceptable. They're putting him on the list. I guess ultimately, what I was saying though is, is there's just such a scramble. There seems to be so much more of a rush this year than ever before to get the thing seen because of the short voting window. Right. Right. I know. I know. It's true. And and that's why publicists are being so aggressive with the movies. And, you know, the weird thing about it is just when you think you've got the nominees that you think are going to go, there's there's all these new things. Like, I'm seeing all these Richard Jewell ads, like on Rachel Maddow. There were all these ads. For, did you see that huh? on uh-huh, Richard right. Jewell? No. Yeah. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, wow, this is like Sam Rockwell. <laughs> like, these actors are going to be pushing in, you know, to get in. What if this movie is really good? You know, like, how can we handle yet another movie coming out at the end here? So um, I feel like it's it's really a mad dash to the finish. It what is. Did you say, did, did, I'm sorry. Did you, no, would you ahead. say there was a, a problem with the screeners for Bombshell, the, 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 the physical DVD screeners as a, a delay or even have them holding yet. them back? They don't have don't screeners have yet. Yeah, yeah, no, he's talking about screenings. Okay, okay. Are yeah. packed. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think we'd be remiss. I, I know this probably doesn't fit in an Oscar conversation, but we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that uh, Cats <laughs> hasn't been seen yet. <laughs> and they're not, Poor and they're cats. supposedly not even going to be available for the Globes, which is like <laughs> the sweet spot for that kind of movie, right? <laughs> so that means that it's just bad, right? Like beyond even the, the mocking of the internet bad, but like so bad they can't even show it to Globe members. Well, the, the, the excuse is, well, I won't say excuse because that puts a negative connotation on it, but the, the story is that the, uh, the effects are so challenging that they haven't gotten them done. Oh, God. Poor, mm. that's so sad. Poor things. And Clarence, so. you made a joke about how Twi- Taylor Swift isn't going to be at the Globes. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I, they will. I, I still believe firmly that they will nominate that song, even if they've never heard it, just to get Taylor Swift on their category. They've never not nominated one of her songs for films, I think, or at least they've yeah. done like three out of four or something like that. She's never been Oscar nominated, but she's had a song in for like one of the Hunger Games movies. She's had, she's had two or three nominations. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, I know way more about Taylor Swift than a, than a 44 year old man probably should. But my daughter, <laughs> my daughter's like a, a super fan. So, oh, that's so cute. So, so uh, um, yeah. well, let's let's just really quickly talk about what we think is going to get in for musical comedy at the Globes. Um, what do you guys think for the five? I know it's like out of the blue, and you probably need to do research. But I would have bet cats would get in. But if they're not seeing it, then they're not going to vote for it. Mm-hmm. So what are, are there any other musicals at all this well, year? Well, Rocket then? Man. Rocket Man. Oh right, okay, Rocket, Rocket Man. Man. Mm-hmm. So that's he'll fun. get in for actor, for sure. I think. Mm-hmm. I think Rocket Man um, gets in for best musical comedy too. I really do. I think the whole thing will get in, and I think it, the the rest Jojo. of them will be. Don't you think? Yes, I do. Um, Jojo. 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 Which I wish um, wasn't running in. I mean, it has to run in comedy, I guess, because it doesn't have a choice. But so it's it's uh, Rocket Man, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? right. It's going into comedy, uh, and then well, I think they, Dolomite's getting in for sure. Apparently, according to my publicist friend David Pollock, the HPFA, the HFPA loves Dolomite. Is my oh, name. Oh great! So hopefully that will will Judy count as a musical? No, uh, Judy's a drama. A, is it drama? Yeah, it's drama because okay. she's in the drama category in okay. most of the. Um, I don't think that I don't know if they've released official prediction. I mean, um, placements, but she's widely predicted in the drama race. Yeah, and I would be really worried about um, Eddie Murphy winning that comedy actor because I feel like he's such a big star that he's probably going to win that Globe um, if he gets nominated. So, um, and then we're missing one more for comedy. What would be the fifth? How about? Um, knives out, maybe. Yeah, knives, knives out. out. Knives out is totally gonna get it. You're right. Or hustlers. Oh hustlers. yeah. Is hustlers mm-hmm. a comedy? Um, I think they are trying. They're a musical, maybe. I, I, is it a musical? I, I actually, I've never seen hustlers yet. I've never <laughs> seen it yet either. I, I'm, I regret missing it. Yeah. Book smart. Uh, Book smart, mm. maybe. Um, late mm. night is another one. Um. But okay, so so we think we sort of know at least four out of the five for comedy, and then and then you're right that the Globes. Oh my God, I got to write this article. But the Globes have such prominence this year more than anything else. Once again, they're just in the sweet spot for. And I was I was just doing for my other podcast. I was doing the Gladiator year, and the Globes split the same way that the Oscars did. They gave Gladiator Best Picture and Ang Lee Best Director. But the Academy went for Gladiator for Picture, but then Soderbergh for Director. But Gladiator still won Best Picture, and the DGA gave it to Ang Lee. So uh-huh. the Golden Globes have always had this kind of crazy influential power. <laughs> so it's even going to be more profound this year because, you know, they're the only really major awards show that's going to build buzz for movies. How are the Academy going to come out from under that, you know? Unless they pick something that's really embarrassing and that everybody is embarrassed about. Yeah, you have, Sasha. You, you've already written this year about the fact that the screenplay is, is really strongly tied to best 
picture nominee nominations more than it used to be, maybe more so than director, even the screenplay nomination. And the nominations, the WGA, the WGA nominations come out the same day as the Golden Globes. Oh my God! On the wow. on the fifth on January fifth. So that will be the only other thing that that. Oscar voters will have to right. look at and the Critics Choice, whatever that's going to be. But the Critics Choice, I feel like they're kind of invalidated because they pick really what they think the Oscars are going to pick. So it's kind of like mm. it's sort of like a snake eating its own tail. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really give you much intel, but it, if it is a publicity moment for a film, then it can work in its favor. Um, so drama is obviously going to be Irishman, um, maybe Marriage Story. Uh, um, bombshell. Bombshell. Is Bombshell going into drama? I, I wondered so. that too when we were, because the trailer to attract attention and to attract an audience is, is light is light. I mean, it's not it it has a light side to it and more than serious. And so I wondered sometimes the the uh, Golden Globes can do that with thing with movies that are about American foibles, American scandals. Type mm -hmm. things they think they're funny. The, the 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 Hollywood foreign press thinks that's amusing, because yeah. they're not from here. It's not as it's funny to them, where it's not funny to us. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Things, uh, things about America are funny to them that, that we don't find so funny. So yeah. they might see. They might think it's a comedy. Depends on how the movie itself is. Well, it it is a comedy, but it's a black comedy. Like it's funny, and then oh, okay. suddenly it isn't. Yeah. Suddenly it gets very mm -hmm. very serious, and then it's very very serious. But it starts out as a comedy. You know, mm -hmm. like she's breaking the fourth wall and she's talking to you. And a lot of it's funny. Like when you see Geraldo and all the Fox News people, you're laughing at all that, you know. But yeah. then it gets obviously because of what it's about, it gets very drop dead serious. And they lose the funny about two thirds of the way through. And then it becomes very, very serious, very serious Me Too kind of movie. So mm -hmm. it seems like it's very strong for Academy. They're not going to turn it down because of the star power involved they're going to want Kidman and Margot Robbie um and uh um Charlize Charlize at the, at the there's no way they're turning down Charlize for this you know she's the producer on the movie and they're going to have a, had a million parties already and so I mean that's the thing about Booksmart is Booksmart's going to have Olivia Wilde and a lot of high profile people pushing it and so I wonder if that might sneak in at the Globes the thing about the clubs that I like to watch for is that they sometimes have a way of pushing a movie into the race like they did with Bohemian Rhapsody last year. Um, they can do that. They can push a movie that people are kind of doubting into the race as a serious contender. And so that's what I'm wondering, like which movie that they're like, let's say they pick Motherless Brooklyn for Best Picture, for instance, you know, or mm -hmm. some movie that people are underestimating. Joker could get validated by the Globes as a Best Picture contender. Um, that's the kind of thing you should watch for is what movie that people aren't predicting that they put in as a prominent. I remember Green Book was one that people and Bohemian Rhapsody both were kind of doubted by pundits and when the globes picked them I thought oh wow okay here we go it gives even though people don't really respect the Hollywood foreign press it lends prestige and respectability to films and it validates them although obviously some films more than others remember Tom Ford's movie didn't didn't it got a lot of it got globe nominations but it never ended up making it all the way to the Oscars so mm -hmm. it can backfire but in general, it's going to be interesting to me to see what movie are they going to push forward that people aren't predicting or people are doubting. That's what I'm going to be looking for, you know. 
um, not so much the confirmation because even in their director category, they can sometimes pick people that won't end up going all the way to the Oscars, like Ava DuVernay for Selma, for instance, or Catherine Bigelow for Zero Dark Thirty. They pick these, like, let's say Greta Gerwig and Little Women get, get big at the Globes. You know, does that mean they're also going on to the Oscars? I don't know, you know. What if they pick Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach to be co-nominees and director categories? Is that going to turn into a big story? And if it is, does that mean that they're going to then go on to repeat that at the Oscars? Like, that's how fluid this race is. It could change any second. It's not going to be based on what we think. You know, it's going to be based on how the buzz builds and how the consensus builds around these movies. I think that a lot of people in the Oscar coverage business make that mistake and they think it, it matters what we think. It really doesn't if, you're, if you really want to predict the Oscars. It doesn't matter what your personal opinions are. It matters what a lot of people who come together in a consensus think. We should mm. have learned that lesson from last year. We made it abundantly clear that it wasn't about what Oscar pundits think. Right, yeah, because actually the Oscar voters uh, almost rebelled against Oscar pundits. Mm -hmm. They rebelled against, and especially not just the pun. They rebelled against Oscar. They were they rebelled against uh, Oscar Twitter. Yeah. yeah, if yeah. they even knew about it, they rebelled against yeah. it. But it was mm -hmm. interesting to me how it was just completely disregarded. Um, yeah, and so I think that just as in politics, I think you can get too caught up in what's going on on Twitter and mistake that for reality. I see a lot of these Oscar newbies. I won't mention them by name, but there's like three of them that I see online, and they're very loud, and they've got a lot of followers, and they're really cocky, and they're acting like they know everything. Mm -hmm. I think they're in for a little bit of a wake up call when uh, when the this year happens or or some year in the future. I think that they're going to find that they they don't know everything, you know. Mm -hmm. And I didn't mean to imply that, I, that any that very many Oscar voters are pay any attention to Twitter at all. Right, right. But they, but they, but they did hear. They heard about the controversy. Even if they didn't, they don't know what's going on on film Twitter. They hear that film Twitter is making some yeah. kind of noise that, mm -hmm. that's bothersome, and that's that's all they need to know. That's just noise to them, and it's right. annoying to hear that it's that that's happening. Yeah, that's how because they they have such little regard for it. Right, exactly. Yeah. To me, the most fascinating thing about drama at the globes will be whether or not joker gets in for best picture yeah that is a big thing to me too like look i that movie um is causing me a lot of internal conflict because on the one hand i appreciate it i think it's cool and i think it's interesting and a challenging film and it's stuck with me and i've thought about it a lot and i feel like it's artistically daring enough that it should be considered and it's made enough money it's a successful film it would be weird to not nominate it for Best Picture at this rate, considering, you know. Um, well, it'll get it'll get a PGA nomination for sure. Okay, so PGA that's on its way. So to get into Oscar, it needs two hundred to three hundred people to pick it at, at number one. So I think that there are possibly enough people that would choose that movie as number one, because I feel like it's the kind of thing that people will anonymously vote for because they can identify with it. People like Jeff Wells, you know, who love that movie. You could see them putting it at number one. Just how many people like that are in the Academy? Do they mm -hmm. see it as a comic yeah. book movie, you know? Even if it may not be their actual number one favorite, they would like to see it nominated anyway, so they know if they put it at number one, that it's going to help it be nominated. Yeah. Even if they don't expect it to go all the way, they would just like to see it in the mix. 
And right. so there will be voters who do that, who just put it number one on the ballot. Like you said, it's anonymous, so they can do what they want. And that's why I'm shocked yeah. that people are so um, uh, doubtful of Dolomite, because I feel like that movie, and I could be wrong, and it could turn out that it gets totally shut out, and all these people on Twitter can you know, make, make fun of me and call me wrong, whatever, fine, listen. I've been doing it for 20 years. It's happened before, <laughs> way worse than that. It'll happen again. But I feel like that's an easy call for a number one um, best picture is Dolomite. I feel like a lot of people are going to put that at their number one. I think that makes it an easy, like Parasite, you know? To me, mm -hmm. it feels like an easy prediction um, to say these two movies are people's favorite films of the year. So that's what I look at. I look at it's mainly it's mainly actors and what are actors going to pick and it's mainly number one movies and that's what's going to get in so which are the number one movies not number two number three number four but what are the number one movies that people are going to say is the best film of the year not critics but regular industry people you know mm -hmm. it's just yeah. so much fun the, the, the dilemma is just so much fun the only thing that could be a drawback it, it, the circle of People that we know, that we talk to about movies, pretty much we all saw Dolomite the the, the very night, the very first night that we, it was available to see. Right. There are people, and then we couldn't stop talking about it, about how great it was. There are people who came to it late, and because it had been to, so talked up, it, it didn't live up to what they expected it right. because so many of us said it's the most fun we've had all year at the movies. Mm -hmm. And then we meant we were being sincere. We were being, being honest. But a lot of people who, you know, that happens. It's like people, it's the is that all there is kind of syndrome. Yeah. And I so that, that could that could be the situation. But I do think that you're right that any especially the actors are going to see how much fun all the actors in Dolomite are having and how they just let loose and just just um, cut loose with everything they've got and how much it just really how joyous the whole movie is. Yeah. And I think that the, the other thing to consider is, is, as I wrote about today, which is that it's not going to be an all white Oscar. I can promise you mm -hmm. that. And uh, I don't know what movie's going to come. You know, obviously people think, well, Parasite is getting in. So that means that it's not going to be all white. And that's true. And that's a possibility. And I'm prepared for that. I, I do think that Dolomite has an outside chance. I don't think it's one of the front runners. But um, and I, I think that it's going to take, you know, friends of Eddie Murphy and friends of Snoop Dogg and, and, you know, friends of Spike Lee to push that movie in. But they're going to be pushing it in because they're not going to want it to be a, a, an Oscars ceremony that's going to be honoring only stories about white people, parasite notwithstanding. Uh -huh. Another thing that could help Dolomite is this thing we talk about a lot, and, and it's almost like a cliche, but I mean, it's a movie about making movies. And right, everyone and exactly. every branch is going to see, they're going to recognize what it's like when they're making, what, what things that they've gone through when they've made movies, especially movies when they were just beginning their careers, yeah. movies on a shoestring. The costume designers, the sound people, the cinematographers, they're all going to get a kick out of the way they're, those crafts are depicted in the movie. Yeah. They're going to love it. They're going to love it so much. And they don't get to see themselves reflected in movies that much. No. And Hardly at all. Way, like, you know, and, my, Jeff yeah. Wells, who hates Eddie Murphy, who ran a takedown campaign of Eddie Murphy during Dreamgirls, mm. which was really lame and horrible. Mm. He loved Dolomite. And if Jeff Wells mm. loves it, that tells you a lot about, you know, the, he would have hated it because he's already in the tank to hate Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. And I was so moved by Eddie Murphy's performance. And I, I, I 
I apologize to my readers and to listeners of this podcast that I was writing about this today. I understand that you brace yourselves when I fall in love with a movie and that it can be really <laughs> annoying <laughs> and that you hate it when I shove a movie down your throat and when like First Man last year. And it's hit and miss. Sometimes it gets in, sometimes it doesn't. And I'm sorry that I've been pushing this movie, but I actually really like it. I think it's a really good movie beyond just it's funny. Um, I, I like the message it has. I like the fact that it, it has um, a really strong f- male-female friendship at the center of it, which is something you never see. Women are always used as, you know, sex objects in a film. And here you have um, Eddie Murphy's Rudy Ray Moore um, friends with Lady Reed, so much so that he asks her for advice on how to film a sex scene. And he calls her when he's feeling down, and she lifts his mood. And he lifts her up by depicting her on screen and giving her a lot of power and stake in his company like that's so cool like I've never seen that in a movie really just two friends that are male and female you know and Mm -hmm. and they're chanting with each other and he gives him the cane like those kind of moments and then just how funny it is like when he reads the reviews of the film you know and he's like (laughs) this isn't fit for a blind dog (laughs) well it's it's and and everybody's been there. Everybody in this industry has yeah. been there. I mean, they've they've done bad movies. They've read reviews. It's you know, it's unique how he celebrates it, and, and it's unique how it tells. It's a comedy that also tells the story about the origins of rap. I mean, it's Absolutely. it's it's a historic yeah. document. Right. I mean, I don't I don't want to say that it's that it's boring because of that. It's certainly not. But it's that it has more importance than you know, foul language and 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 the the. <laughs> comic sex scenes i mean it's 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 just so much it's so much there and it's about like i love the scene where they go to see the um the the front page and how it's not funny and how they they talk about this idea that all these movies were aimed at at white people and and how what i loved is this idea that in these big cities which i did not know before i saw this movie they had white flight out of the city so they had these big movie houses Mm. that they had to fill and they had to make movies that like the urban black community would want to see. And that's how black exploitation was born. Like I had no idea that was the history. And mm. so Dolomite was, you know, was, was put together literally with ta- with like tape and scissors and it made $12 million, which is a, was a lot of money back then. I mean, imagine you're Rudy Ray Moore and you make that movie and it makes $12 million um, because you know what the black community will find funny. And so they come and see the movie. Um, <clears throat> my dad took me to see Dolomite in 1975. My dad was crazy, um, and he loved movies, but he also had a really funny, he had a great sense of humor, my dad. Before he died, he used to joke with me all the time. He used to say stuff like, you know, he used to tease me about the movies that he thought would, would you know, would be Oscar contenders, but of course they never would be, like Godzilla movies, or he would find the schlockiest titles he could, and he'd call me up and he'd say, hey, what do you think about the Oscar chances of, you know, the, 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 the like, crocodile monster who ate New York, you know? <laughs> he just thought it was so funny, and, and that's what I remember about Dolomite, was my dad taking me to see it, and how much he loved it, and how he thought it was so funny, and how he quoted all the time to us growing up. Mm-hmm. And it was such a part of our lives, such such a part of my childhood. And so I will admit and cop to having a sentimental attachment to the film, but all the same, even beyond that, I think that it's an easy sell. And if it wasn't a Netflix movie... And if it had been released in theaters, it would have easily made $100 million. 
and it would be coming into the race being championed by everybody because it was a huge success. But since it's Netflix, it doesn't have that opportunity. And so it's just being looked at in terms of, is it good enough? Is it an, you know, artsy enough? Is it? And people are sick of me talking about it. I get it. But, um, but Another thing to the readers, we, we want to remind you that even though we're talking a lot about Dolomite right now, some people are bothered by the fact, a couple of people that I know for sure are bothered by the fact that they think that we're talking about a Dolomite to the exclusion of other movies. Right. But let me, right. those other movies are going to be okay. Exactly. Those other movies, if they've mm-hmm. got the goods, they're going to be in the in the running. They're going to be in the mix. So you don't need to worry about them. And right. we will talk about them. It's not like we're going to ignore them all year long. Right now, though... Today, especially today, we the the point, the whole point, the whole theme of the of your Sasha's post was to talk about Dolomite, and so that's what we talked about. There'll be other posts about your movie, don't worry. But and like I said, and those movies are going to be all right. But Dolomite might need a little bit of a boost, and so that's what we're doing. I feel like it does because I feel like that that Stephen Galloway article in the in the Hollywood Reporter really bothered me because it said that only three movies were going to be considered for Best Picture, and they left off Dolomite. And I didn't understand why they did that. Um, But do you want to talk about other movies that you think are going to be in the Producers Guild? Or Well, we know that The Irishman is going to be a really strong contender right now. Uh Um, I think the only thing it could take home is Joe Pesci. He might win. I I just moved him to my number one spot today. Isn't that funny? I thought he could win, too, because he is just good enough to win. Well, that's the thing that everybody's coming out of it talking about is Joe Mm -hmm. Pesci. Yeah, I think he could beat Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for sure. I think he has a good shot. And he also won for Raging Bull, by the way, didn't he? And Goodfellas. Oh, he Goodfellas. won for Goodfellas. Okay, Goodfellas. He's great. And he's great in Irishman. And Irishman is a wonderful film for Scorsese fans, right? It's like I loved it, but I, I needed to get through that first hour. And once I did, then I thought, wow, this is a really great movie. What, what we think that the PGA well, we know we know for instance once upon a time in Hollywood yeah and Joker we know, um, jo- uh, Joker we've already said okay, that's two uh, three the Ford Irishman Ford v Ferrari Ford v Ferrari Ford, I hope I love that movie yeah. that's yeah. four Jojo Rabbit what about us that's five uh, mm-hmm. that'd be great if it is yeah I hope that's well, let's do I mean, the known ones first so yeah. Par- Parasite that's six. If if not if nineteen seventeen is really good, then I think they're going to respect what seven. what was done with that. So that's seven. Marriage Story is eight. Okay. Um, little Women. Mm, did you say Little Women? I didn't, didn't yet. Say that I yet. might eight. So we've got two more. Mm. Um, I'm going to say uh, Dolomite. I'm putting that down for my. But you guys can pick hey, other ones. Sure. Bombshell. Yeah. And then Bombshell, yeah. But yeah. I think I think Hustlers has a really good shot at the PGA because it's made so much money, a hundred mm-hmm. million. At some point, people are going to rally around one movie that was directed by a woman. I don't know what that movie's going to be, but the, I think that I'm hoping that they pick one because if it's split up like it was last year, nobody's going to get in. So, if Little Women makes a lot of, lot of money, maybe. But I don't even know if it's going to be. Maybe they're waiting. I don't even know when it opens. Um, Hmm. And I think it opens not. at Christmas. Okay, yeah. so that's long. The ballots have um, been turned in by then, right? No, no, they have. So if Little Women opens really strong with great reviews, that could be one. Um, PGA, yeah, the voting closes on the sixth of January. Okay, so that's yeah. what five days. That's not enough time, really, for them to to get back box office news. Uh, 
so those are the ten that we think we think that that it's going to possibly be. Um, any other movies you think might get in? Like there's there's some that could, right? Um, Ways. Knives out. Knives out. If it makes a lot of money. What about um, Avengers Endgame? You think that has a that has a PGA shot, right? Sure. <laughs> I don't think it personally does because I think there's so much anti-superhero uh, sentiment that I think if they're going to go there, they're going to go with Joker and they're not going to go with Endgame. No way. Yeah. Well, did uh, did the um, Infinity War get in last year? It didn't, did it? No, it didn't. Yeah. Right. No. So we should say the two popes has a really good shot at getting in. You know, people are really into that. Um, the big question for this year is how many Netflix movies are going to get in. People on Twitter are convinced that there's not going to be more than two. So um, that's what that's what they're saying. So if, if that's the case, most people that I know on Twitter are going to predict Joker. Um, sorry, are going to predict Marriage Story and Irishman to be the two. But I'm going to predict Irishman and Dolomite is my name because I'm insane. But um, but that's how I'm going to do it. Um, I, I'm Marriage Story is still a wait and see for me. Um, only because I know what's what's coming and also because I personally didn't like it that much. And I know that doesn't really matter. But I feel like it's a it's not a um, I don't know that it'll 100 percent be embraced by the public as it has been by certain people. But look, people's reaction to it is so strong that it seems like it's an easy call to predict it to get in for one of the Oscar best picture. So at the very least, we're looking at two marriage story and Irishman, but then two popes and, and Dolomite. So we're back to the same old question. So I'm not really saying anything. I'm just talking in circles. So just ignore me. But. What about Downton Abbey? Is that on the outside on the producers uh, guild? Has it made a lot of money? It, it did. It's almost yeah. made a million. Wow, damn. Very quietly, too. I mean, it overperformed in its opening weekend, and then it kind of just kept churning on along. Um, Because I'm looking last year, and and the favorite was in there. I mean, it's not the exact same thing, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's they do go. I don't know. I mean, it depends on how many people who are familiar with it from television may have a fondness for it. I'm not saying it's going to get in, but I'm not saying it should be counted out. Right. I'm getting that people want to see it, but I'm not getting a lot of people talking about how much they liked it. You know, I'm not getting a, I loved that movie so much. I'm getting more or less the people who love the series who want to go see the movie. But I don't know that that's enough to, um, to, to put it in. But you bring up a good point when you say the favorite, because in general with Oscars, you can go by studios which studio is going to get a movie in? That's especially true with the Globes. Um, they tend to spread the wealth in terms of studios more than more than they do. For instance, yes, that's where Netflix is going to get hurt is because they do tend to want to serve. Sorry, it's my phone. Want to serve um, every studio to make them happy. So they're going to have Warner Brothers represented, Fox Searchlight, Universal you know, and Netflix, they're going to have them all in the race. And so the same with the Producers Guild. The favorite was Fox Searchlight. So a lot of times these these studios, they represent just, you know, the, the Producers Guild will we'll make sure to get the, like, what movie does Fox Searchlight have? What movie does Warner Brothers have? Warner Brothers has Joker. Fox Searchlight has Jojo Rabbit. Universal has 1917. 
in Downton Abbey is focus features I'm seeing. So right. And they, focus, you know, it's right. uh, distinguished, you know, prestigious and well admired uh, studio over the years. And so another thing about the Producers Guild is they do have the TV directors um, and the, for TV producers voting. Mm -hmm. A lot of TV producers might kind of get off on the idea that a, a TV show made it to the big time in the TV TV producer voters might look at Downton Abbey and think, hey, I, I did I do TV movies. And, you know, so. Yeah, it's kind of like a feather in the cap of you know, like a, like maybe you know, TV movie TV work is not so bad after all. Look at what we can do. What about Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Oh, had been think, not thinking about that. Depends, I guess, on the reception, um, how how it does, how the with critics and audiences. I don't know why I'm not interested in it very much, but. The only I mean, thing sure I heard about it was I went to this Ford V for oh Ford V Ferrari is one we should bring up. That's that's going to be in the mm -hmm. Producers Guild for sure. Uh -huh. um, I can't wait for it to open. I hope it makes a lot of money. It's definitely one of my favorite films of the year. I just enjoyed it so much. I've seen it three times more than Dolomite is my name and Ford V Ferrari. The only two movies that I've seen multiple times so far. But um, but I think that's going to get in. Um, it's just you know meat and potatoes kind of thing. It's just. A, crowd pleaser really good movie um but i think that um what i heard when i was at the screening for that was an actor sitting next to me and she said that beautiful day in the neighborhood was really um disappointing because it's not actually about mr rogers it's about this other guy mm -hmm. who's like this yeah, person this right. random person who wrote this article about mr rogers and so most people are expecting it to be a movie about mr rogers and it isn't and so they're disappointed and she said it was terrible and she hated it so oh, wow. I'm not really putting a lot of faith in that movie. I could, t I could turn out to be wrong. I haven't seen it obviously. So, um, but I'm, I'm keeping an open mind. I feel like this is a year where anything could happen. You know, I have my eye on a couple of movies that I'm, that I'm hoping that I can usher through to get in because, so it can be an exciting year for me personally, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is selfish and horrible, but that's just sort of how I do it. it you know, me, Ryan, like, I always know if I'm going to have a good year predicting or a bad year, because if I have no movies I'm interested in, I'll have a great year predicting. But if I have a year where my, my darlings are in the race, then I have a bad year because it's really hard to be objective when you have the films that you love um, in the race. Mm. But when I don't, then it's easy. Oscar nominations morning is like the most stressful morning, most stressful day of the year for us, isn't it? Because that's the time when we learn whether or not we're going to have any fun for the next six <laughs> or eight weeks or not, or whether it's just going to be like a slog to the finish line. Because if our favorites don't make it in on Oscar nominations morning, then it's, then it's just like so disappointing. Seriously, it is. But it's almost like yeah. it's almost a relief because then you can just sort of live your life. Like last year, mm, yeah, I had fun true, because too. First yeah. Man, my favorite year, my favorite movie didn't get in. So I could just be kind of yeah. like, well, all right, fine. Let's see how this is going to go down. Um, and that's why I did so well on predictions because I didn't have to get emotionally involved in any of the films. So like if Dolomite does get in for best picture, which would be a huge shock and it's an, has an outside chance, I would be invested in Eddie Murphy winning best actor, but I know he's not going to beat Joaquin Phoenix. If Joker gets in for best picture, for instance, you know, All right. but I'm not going to let myself get bothered by it. I'm just going to like ride the wave. Yeah. Well, you weren't really, 
I mean, even at the beginning of the podcast, you said that you were wrong about First Man, but you were also from the very beginning about First Man. We knew opening weekend when we saw what the yeah. uh, the um, slander campaign about the flag on the moon did to it, and when it when it kind of disappointed at the box office that it was not going to make the money that it needed to make in order to get the attention that it needed at the end of the year. And we knew that it had been damaged. We knew that it had been crippled by that. And you were realistic about that and everything that you wrote about it. You mentioned that, that you knew that it had been right out of the gate, that it had broken a leg. It had, it had a leg broken. It, had, it didn't, it, yeah. you know, and well, it other, wasn't its own, it wasn't its fault. Right. And the and, other weird thing and, about last year is I was looking at my predictions from today. I looked back at a year from a year ago today and I had uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, and we all thought that was going to be in for Best Picture 2. So it was like those two movies both didn't get in. And that's mm -hmm. weird, because I could have sworn that If Beale Street Could Talk would get in. You know, like that, to me, seemed like an Oscar movie, up one side and down the other. It did. It had every pedigree that you could ask for. It, it checked off all the boxes, and it looked like a perfect sort of sophomore vehicle for to to just continue with his success with his, uh, and it was really good, but you know, we didn't really talk about what problems we saw with it at the time, but there were some problems with the casting Yeah. and yeah. And, uh, so that hurt it probably. Uh, right. The lead female wasn't up to the, yeah. uh, she couldn't really hold the film together cause she wasn't, um, experienced enough. I'm sure that eventually she'll get there. Um, uh -huh. You guys should all keep an eye out for Queen and Slim and see how that plays. That that's a really interesting movie. Um, I'll be curious to see. It could it could turn into a cultural cultural phenomenon and it could get in. But what I don't get about it is why it's it's being seen so late. Mm -hmm. It's so late that I don't know how you even build buzz to get this in. Like 1917, it's such a big movie that it's it's not going to need to build buzz. It's it's going to be able to just land like The Revenant, you know. It's mm -hmm. so big that people are going to like fall all over themselves to see it. And you can't judge anything from trailers and featurettes, but from what I've seen, it looks fucking incredible, right? So, however, I know from the years that I've been doing this Oscar site that when you think that about a movie, it usually doesn't live up to expectations. So, like Munich, for instance, which I actually think is a really good movie, but at the time, we all thought, oh, this is going to be the huge Oscar juggernaut. And that mm. did it a disservice because we weren't looking at it objectively as a movie. We were looking at it as a potential Oscar winner. Well, Time Magazine killed that movie. Yeah, what did they do again with that? They put they, Spielberg's another masterpiece or something like that. And was that what it they, was? It was months before it came out. It was, it was, there were some, and they did the same thing with uh, M. Night Shyamalan's career when they called him the next Spielberg. <laughs> Right. Like mm -hmm. anytime anything is held up like that as being perfect or mm -hmm. or brilliant or, you know, the best thing ever, people just kind of immediately human nature turns away from it and yeah. wants to tear it down. Right. For sure. It's like it's schadenfreude. I mean, it's it's that's what happened to um, First Man with uh, um, the director. You know, he they just after winning for La La Land, I think people just turned against him. Right. They were Even already, though First Man yeah. was a far better movie. <laughs> it was a far better movie. They were they turned on him during that whole Oscar run and they're still I yeah. think I think there's still a residual bizarre kind of feeling um against him. But um 
But Munich, I remember, I'll never forget where I know exactly where I was sitting in at this apartment we were living in when I talked to a reporter and I told him that, that I thought Munich was going to, we all thought Munich was going to win Best Picture. I learned a really hard lesson that year. And that was you cannot predict a movie to win if you've never seen it. And if, if people haven't seen it, like it's just not possible. Mm. Um, I mean, you can get lucky. You can just roll the dice and it's a 50-50 shot. You turn out to be right. But but that movie, we were all just predicting it based on um, the, the page, right? It was Spielberg. It was it was a movie about terrorism. It seemed like such a... And it's actually a really good movie. Like it, it's an interesting movie. It's just not an Oscar. It's not a consensus uh, winner. But so that's my, f- my fear about 1917 is that we're, you know, there, there is a hype involved, um, that will make it harder to see it as what it is, you know, instead of what we, the movie we have in our heads, but I'm still looking forward to it. So I had actually forgotten that Munich was the same year as crash and broke back mountain. I don't, and I wasn't in the middle of it like I am now back then, but, but, and I don't know when exactly team crash and team broke back mountain formed. I have a feeling that almost as, as since crash win was sort of unexpected, maybe, I don't know that it was or not, but that, that, um, well, I'm just saying that, that those two movies took uh, sucked all the oxygen out of the air. Mm-hmm. But I would say for me, Munich is probably my second favorite movie of the year of 2005. Yeah. I mean, and I think it deserved to be nominated, and it wouldn't have surprised me if it had won. So it wasn't wrong for people to be predicting it, but I don't. Um, it just uh, when the crash and broke back battle broke out, I think that just uh, the, you know, there were two teams that people were on. There wasn't anything left. There wasn't any time left over to talk about yeah. anything else. Right, and I feel like the the unfair thing about Munich was that the expectations were set too high, and then when they weren't met in exactly the same way, people saw it as a failure. Um, uh-huh. And that wasn't fair to the movie. Like it would have been, I think if it had just come into the race without any of that and just been looked at objectively as its own thing. I mean, that's like the English patient almost, you know, it's like it could have won, but it just, it didn't have, it didn't have the chance because it started out so high. It had nowhere to go, but down. And it also premiered late. It opened like two days before Christmas, Munich did. And so that's always a disadvantage when you open that late in the year. (laughs) And it's not a feel-good movie, right? No, right. It's not a Christmas (laughs) movie, no. (laughs) It's a huge downer. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the other, that's the problem with The Irishman, by the way, is it's a downer. And downers don't win Best Picture. I mean, unless you have something about them that makes people, like, you know, people were giving me a hard time about this, like No Country for Old Men. Well, No Country for Old Men had the Coens. They'd never won the Oscar, and they were winning everything, and people had urgency to vote for them to finally give them their Oscar. Same with Scorsese for The Departed. So it didn't Mm -hmm. matter if those movies were downers. They weren't voting for the movies. They were voting for the directors. And And they're not going to vote for a, a movie that is a downer when there are movies about downer and i use that term loosely situations that turn them around and make them a positive story like once upon a time in hollywood and jojo rabbit i mean the manson murders and uh and and world war ii and all of a sudden it makes it a a feel-good movie out of Mm -hmm. both of them yeah (laughs) and and people don't understand that it's hard to explain this to people but the oscars are fluid they're not static so it matters what wins a certain award as to how the buzz is going to go for instance la la land winning 14 golden globes and breaking a record 
hurt that film's chances for winning the Oscar because people really, that's when it started to turn. And same with Avatar, which won the Golden Globe when Catherine Bigelow lost. It really did. People really felt it. And they were like, wait, I don't want him to win. If, you know, I want her to win. And it really did switch the race around in a big way because that was the narrative of the year, right? So a lot of times the Golden Globe win can either solidify a winner like Green Book or it can, it can hurt a winner. Um, I don't know if The Irishman is going to win. I don't know what that movie's trajectory is going to be. I have no idea. I don't even know how the actors are going to respond to it. Um, did we want to talk about the uh, independent spirits? Yes, let's do it. And then we'll try to get off the phone because I used late there. But okay. um, uh, So go ahead. You lead that conversation since I'm sort of brain dead. <laughs> uh, so the independent spirit nominations come out on November 21st and these are, you know, this, again, it's, it could have, as you've said before, it could have more influence than historically. Although usually there's almost a curse on the movie that wins best feature at mm. the independent spirit awards, because it's almost guaranteed not to win any Oscars. Right. Uh, last year was certainly, a, you know, if Beale street could talk one, he and Barry Jenkins won best director, of course, Regina King won supporting actress, but she also won the Oscar, but that's Regina King. And she's kind of an unstoppable force of nature when it comes to campaigning and, and um, everybody loving her as much mm -hmm. as they do. And she completely deserved it for that role. But, um, what do you guys think the the most likely nominees are this year? I was thinking this could be big for the lighthouse. Hmm. I don't know. Really? Oh, come on. Really? Seriously? Are you, I can't tell. Well, I don't no, know. I I haven't, I, okay. All right. That, I that actress that I met at that screening for Ford v. Ferrari, <laughs> she said <laughs> the only two movies she really hated. She hated the lighthouse more than anything she'd ever seen. Like she hated it so much. <laughs> I just thought, oh shit. I know some people who do really, really like it, but it doesn't seem like I know very many of them who do. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, I hear a lot of people who are just like kind of like startled by it. Like just amazed that that a movie like that could that it exists. But see, I haven't seen it, so I can't tell yet. So I don't have a, I don't have really an opinion on it yet. But yeah, okay, so we'll we'll, we'll pencil that in. I and said I asked if, as a spoiler, right, but I right, said you're a genius. You're a genius. Thank you, thank you for yeah. giving me the benefit of the doubt. No, I just <laughs> they they went um, pretty heavy for the witch, which I think is a, a better yeah. movie. No, I think um, you're right that the lighthouse is, is a definite for spirits for sure. Like it has spirit yeah. awards written all over it. I agree with that. Yeah. And, and they kind of went for Hereditary last year, too. And that's another what the fuck kind of movie, Mids you know. Midsummer, I mean, Midsummer yeah. is going to be then maybe in there, too. Midsummer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't scoff because a lot of movies always get nominated for the Spirit. The Spirits always nominate movies that I wish the Oscars would nominate. The yeah. kind of really what the fuck movies. You know, I wish that Oscar <laughs> would take a more chance on more of those. So, yeah, I hope that you're right. And I hope that when I see it that I, that I like it. And from what the looks of it, I mean, it looks uh, it looks design-wise and cinematography-wise stunning. So think, those um, Yeah, and the, fare, the Farewell's getting in. Honey Boy's getting in. Last yeah. Black Man in San Francisco. Last Black Man in San Francisco might get a little bit of a boost from that. But again, like, uh, yeah, and the spirits are positioned nicely because they're coming in earlier than these weird early Oscar awards. So it's really going to be them and the Globes. So it's it's a good chance for something to take that and run with it, you know. I also think um, uncut gems could overperform here. Yes, absolutely. Good call. Yeah, totally. That's a hundred percent. That might even like sweep. When are the spirits 
awards announced? I'm, you, you mentioned 21st. Before, oh, okay, the 21st. But they yeah, give so. out their awards the night before the Oscars. Yes, right, of course. But I mean, just wonder, wonder how long, how, how, how long the nominees would be out there in the wild so that people could. And uh, how about Waves? Waves, uh, yes, waves. absolutely. Just yes. Mercy. Just Mercy, mm -hmm. yeah, wait, yeah. yeah, but that's Warner Brothers. Is that does that qualify? I, I don't know. Dolomite wouldn't qualify, would it? I don't know. I don't know well, what they're. That. I mean, are they letting Netflix in? <laughs> I, I don't remember their. I don't know their rules they about that. They did. They did it with. Yeah, because Roma wasn't Homer. there last year. Right. Right. Okay. What about so, Parasite? Okay, so let's take those off. If Parasite gets in, it's sweeping the Spirit Awards because it's not going to lose. Um, which Parasite. Parasite. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, oh, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, and one, yeah. One of the yeah, we thing... hadn't been talking about it because it wasn't it wasn't going to be eligible for PGA, so we kind of like haven't mentioned Parasite all throughout the podcast. But and it's, it's, it wouldn't be eligible for SAG either. Yeah, it's right. not eligible for PGA. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, well, Ro Roma was up there last year. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I am wrong. And, and why isn't I, it eligible for SAG? Because I don't. Those the actors aren't in the Screen Actors Guild, are they? Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Well, let me see what Roma did last year. Hold on. But what about AFI? That's another one we're not no, that we're not talking about that I need to do a preview of because that's another one that's going to come out early. And AFI is a pretty big, a pretty good Oscar barometer. And if that's going to come out before the PGA announces, usually um, the AFI and the PGA do before Oscar nominations, but. If AFI comes out, the top 10 of the AFI is going to come out early, which I don't know what the date is that it's coming out, then that uh, could serve. December 4th. December oh. 4th, they announced their, their, their 10 Okay, good. Movies. So there yeah. we go. So if, if some of these movies, Parasite won't get on there because they don't accept um, foreign language, but it, it could get us like a special citation. Mm -hmm. But at some point, we'll have to look at that because what gets in at the AFI might determine how Oscar goes. For instance, if Joker gets in at the AFI, really good shot it's going to get in for Oscar. Mm -hmm. And the AFI is really good about also picking a couple of movies out of the 10 that are not like big, huge, um, expensive <laughs> movies. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're, uh, movies like Booksmart, for instance. I don't, not right, that I'm, exactly. I'm not saying that Booksmart would yeah. be mm -hmm. one of them, but movies similar to Booksmart sometimes the AFI. I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of advocacy for the farewell. Another thing that I think could do well at um, the independent spirits is something like the report. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a perfect spirit awards movie for sure. Or yeah. Dark Waters. And Dark Waters. Yeah, he's the king there, Todd Haynes. Yeah. But they've only got five slots, you know? Yeah. So it's, that's a tough one. It's a really competitive year, and it's a wide-open year, and it's a very, very unpredictable year, which makes it, makes it exciting. We don't have any frontrunners. Um, the only frontrunner we have is, uh, is, um, is uh, Renee Zellweger for Best Actress. Judy could get in there at the Spirits mm -hmm. for her, yeah. right? That's an independent film, so she might get in, and she might win, you know? But nothing that wins a spirit is going to have any impact on the Oscars. So only the nominations will, which is really weird. But the only good thing about this year is it's going to be over really soon. <laughs> <laughs>
It's all happening so fast. (laughs) You know, it's almost over, but... um, So you said earlier that this is like a one-off. It's never going to be this early again that they're going to go back to... to, uh, Okay, that's good. I'm glad, but I wonder how this happened. I don't know why. There's some reason, but... Yeah. Is it it a Winter Olympics this year? It might be, yeah. Okay. But I've never seen it this early. You know, it's just nuts. And it could be that they they just thought, well, we're going to do start doing it early all the time. But there was such a backlash against it that yeah. they, they it was too late to change their mind about this year. But they thought, OK, well, nobody likes this. So we're going to go back to have to give people more time in the yeah, future. Right. Could be that part of that. Yeah. Sorry, I should correct myself. It's not Winter Olympics this year. It's the Summer Olympics. Oh, oh okay. I should remember that the Summer Olympics always happens during a uh, presidential campaign. <laughs> Oh, God. So you mean that's why they pushed the Oscars back, though? No, um, I'm just trying to... uh, I don't remember why they've moved it. Um, I don't either. I'm just looking. But I remember hearing that that it was a a situation where it wasn't going to happen again the next year because they have the dates all set early, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was only this year that there was going to be... pushed way back but it's pushed so far back but but like you say right now it could be like a trial balloon they could be mm-hmm. wanting to move it back and they were just trying to check and see how it goes but it's really thrust <laughs> it the didn't race. go well at all and i don't think anybody likes it i don't either but, i mean it's thrust, yeah. thrust it into chaos and nobody's really talking about what kind of chaos it is like to me i'm tripping out that the january 7th has all this stuff going on i was already tripped out by the DGA moving and the Oscars moving their dates so that the Oscar ballots were turned in before the DGA would announce. Mm-hmm. It used to just be, you know, everything was before the Oscars. So we'll have to see how it goes. I mean, it's, it's an exciting year and I, I feel like I say this every year, but it's, it's a good year where nobody should feel bad about getting anything wrong or right. You know, you should just be forgiving of people because it's a very unpredictable situation. It used to be a lot more predictable than it is now. Mm-hmm. So, um, and if anybody's hoping to like, you know, mock me because if Dolomite doesn't get in, <laughs> honey, you're way, 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 way past the point of being able to do that because I've been doing this a way too long for it to bother me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, how dare you have have uh, advocacy? Yeah, <laughs> how dare I mean, you try to fight for what you believe in? <laughs> I do pick one movie, you know, and I try really hard to get it in, and we'll see if it gets in. That you know, the two that I feel really strongly about this year are Ford v Ferrari and Dolomite is my name. Like, for me, for some reason, whatever reason, those those are the two movies that really have have uh, have embedded themselves in in my like heart and sense of and Parasite, of course, that's the third one. Um. And it's not that I don't love the other movies that I've seen. Like, The Irishman, absolutely love it, you know. Jojo Rabbit is another one that I really love and will advocate hard for. Um, but, I, you know, I've got, like, five that I really like. And then the other ones I like enough, you know, that, I'll, that I, they don't bother me. But there's, you know, how there's just some movies that hit you more strongly than others, you know. So that's, I think no. that's it. So I think we're done, right? All right. Anyway, I'm sorry for keeping you guys. No, no you're not okay. keeping no, us. Important. We're keeping you. Important you're the stuff. one that has to go to sleep with your nice <laughs> family. So it's been great talking with you guys, and thank you very much. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Sounds great. Okay. See you then. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. Take care. Right. Good night. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs>